0: Hey, Jexeteers, thanks again for stopping by. If you're new to the channel, my name is Riley and I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. And today I'm interviewing an anonymous guest who's going by the pseudonym Jane Beach. Jane started fading from the Jehovah's Witness religion about three years ago, but recently took the very brave step to formally disassociate. So, Jane, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing?
1: Doing fine today. Doing fine. I might, I might laugh a lot during this interview because that's just like how I kind of cope with it. <laughs>
0: that's 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 perfectly fine. A little bit of a levity never hurt anyone. So, uh, Jane, you got in touch with, with me recently uh, by email and told me a little bit about your story and expressed an interest in wanting to um, do an interview. So, yeah. uh, so what 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 led to that?
1: Um, actually I I initially wanted to interview with John Cedars.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: Sorry. Sorry. Right. Um, but I saw you on, you know, all the the new twenty twenty um John Cedars people that came up. Uh and I think I reached out to an another girl through there. And I don't know, you were just like one of the first ones that responded. <laughs> Um and I I did look up your story and I was looking at your interviews and I whenever I do talk to somebody or whenever I was interested in doing an interview I wanted it to be with somebody that I felt was very level-minded, very balanced in the way that they saw things because one thing that I've noticed is whether you're in the organization or out of the organization um it, there's many different mindsets, there's many different ways of thinking and viewing that. Um, And so, like I said, I just wanted to talk to somebody that I felt was was balanced-minded. So yeah, that's why I reached out to you because I thought you were very balanced and how you explain things, very eloquent, very thorough. Um, And I I just, that's what did it for me.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. I'm very honoured that uh, you you chose me to um, share your story with. Absolutely. So, uh tell us a little bit about your your background and um upbringing as a witness.
1: So, um I was born into it. Um very very uh my parents pretty much uh my my dad he soaked it up like a sponge a couple of years before I was born. Um he came from a family that they there was just a lot of complicated things that had happened. So he kind of went on his own. Um, And he was introduced to the witnesses through someone else who was disfellowshipped, actually. Uh, So from then on there, like he ended up going to the meetings and they ended up studying with him. Um, And, you know, my, my, grandparents, they were trying to give him literature to get him to go away from, from the meetings. Um, my mom, I don't really know much. I know that she, I'm going to try not to mention her very much. Um, but I know that she was raised around the witnesses. It was like one of those in and out, uh, kind of things like you're not really one, but you're not really not one. Like you're very familiar with it. Um, so she knew how things worked, uh, but you know, as she got older, she got baptized. And then my parents met each other because they were both pioneers, um, at the time. And so that was back in the nineties and they got married and then they had me. And so they were pioneering with me. Like my first steps were in the hall. Like basically I, I just, I was the only child. Like I went from from person to person to person like everybody wanted to hold me I was just like the ultimate little perfect little pioneer baby you know um so speaking that's how I was referred to for a very long time uh so when I was a kid I actually was able to go to the pioneer meetings so I was able to sit in on them uh when I was like four five six all the way up to like maybe ten um and then after that I had to go sit in the back room while my parents were going there um so most of my life my dad was an elder. Uh he became an elder after like 4 years of being baptized. Uh I'll just mention that. So yeah, they uh they were very involved with it. Um everything I did um was witness related like that when I went to school, I those were not my friends, those were my associates. Um they were very strict on that. Um, and being the only child, <laughs> with that made it even harder. Um, so, yeah, um, those those were never my friends. Uh, I always viewed them as people that, if I got involved with them, I would die myself. Um, not to mention that as as a kid, there there were other things that contributed to this. Um, I had anxiety at a very young age, uh, maybe six. Um, I had depression at a very young age, um, just because, like, I was so disconnected from people, and, I mean, I would go to school, but I'd I'd never wanted anybody to touch me, like, I didn't want people around me, like, I had this complex at a very young age, and, um, you know, some things had happened, and, and we moved, um, we moved to a different state it was completely out of my comfort zone we we basically moved from the city to the country um and so that had a huge role in you know it was a very different culture for me and it was very hard for me to to blend in i'll just put it that way because uh, i looked so different from everybody uh, my parents looked different than everybody uh so even that was very, very hard, so even in the congregations, the people had noticed that, and I remember my dad going to different halls and giving talks way out in the country and um, I had some people say some things to me <laughs> that they really shouldn't have said that was not very christ like like oh you're a you're a mutt or you know this kind of thing, yeah wow. Yeah. Like, oh, that's you know, awful. This, yeah. So they just they went like down that road, and I was like, oh wow, well, okay. You know, back then I didn't understand that, uh, but now I do. And you know, so I I always struggled in school because of that because I didn't really build friendships in school. I didn't really get to know my teachers. Um, I'm actually writing a book, and in the book I, I go into a little bit of detail of how. I thought that, um, you know, going to school, they weren't, they weren't there to teach me. I was there to teach them, you know, so that was my territory. And, um, I go more into like how I was praised for that, acting that way. Um, I remember, you know, like anytime I would refuse to do something, like I refuse to color Christmas tree or refuse to, um, color a, a turkey or something for thanksgiving um my teachers they would call my parents and they would my parents would be like oh good job good job you know you're not supposed to do that and then they'd like get me ice cream or something after um but i didn't realize that that was actually like disrespectful to the teacher in a way and so any anything that had happened to me in school they'd be like oh it's cuz your teacher doesn't like like witnesses or like oh that's because your teacher didn't um doesn't like you because you're a witness, so like i I began to believe that as I got older, and so any issue that I had, even when it came to working, I just believed that oh it's because it's because my this person doesn't like witnesses or it's because gaining that complex like I was talking about um and that that rolled over into um when I did go to uh I went to school for a, a, uh, I went to school for, um, a trade. I'll just, I'll just put it that way. And this trade is mostly a male dominated field, but they need it in in Bethel. And, um, like just in case anybody doesn't know what Bethel is, it's like where the top of the top of the good JWs go. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I, um, wanted to go to Bethel. And went to vocational school because all through school in general, I um, I was pretty much flunking because I I had a learning disability. I just couldn't figure out math very easily. I couldn't. I could read and I could write and I could come up with really uh, good stories and I could do art really well, like creative stuff, Um, and a lot of the creative process that I had as a kid was because I was trying to escape the world that I was in. It it was just a lot of like escaping
0: life. I can imagine that from from what you've explained that you must have had a very isolated uh, and lonely childhood you know not fitting into the, the congregation but then at the same time not fitting in quite completely at school as well.
1: Yeah yeah because Even the kids in the hall, because my dad was an elder, I couldn't hang out with anybody. Like, my dad was very strict on that. And, you know, or he'd be like, oh, yeah, you can hang out with these people. But, you know, don't 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 get into trouble with them because they're like double lifing and they're, you know, this kind of stuff. So you even get this complex that you're better than the kids around you in the hall,
0: you know, so it gets
1: it gets so high up there.
0: You mentioned earlier that your dad was appointed as an elder um, four years after he was baptised. That's incredibly quick.
1: Yes, it was very quick because he he basically just soaked everything up like a sponge. And he was very, I don't want to say gullible, but he was very, um, he was easily, um, like this became his family, you know this became his life because before that he was, you know, he was working at clubs. He was like getting in fights. He was cursing. He was doing like all, like all the stuff that even just a regular person, um, would, would probably not approve of, you know? Um, so in, in a lot of ways, yeah, it did improve his life. It taught him how to read better. It taught him how, you know, just, just to talk in front of people better. Um, you know, it made him proud of himself. You know, it gave him some of that. You know, like I can do this, and I matter. Um, but like, I write poetry, and I always tell people like it's so much more underneath.
0: So, I mean, just from the speed of his uh, um, his theocratic ad- advancement, uh, that That's does give exactly. some kind of indication as to how strict uh, J. W. He must have he must be.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, actually when I, when I got older, maybe around 15, 16, and I think this is officially what I was, what I told you, um, in the email was that he actually became anointed or he thought he was anointed, uh, when I was like 15 or 16 and it was crazy because it was like three people in our hall all got anointed at the same time. It was really weird it was super weird and so yeah he um he's anointed right and i remember someone telling me an, another person who was anointed with him at the same time in our hall um how i should be happy that my dad is gonna die and that i you know and at that time um i had a family member who who, who wasn't doing very well spiritually you know um or theocratically, that that's how I put it, theocratically. Um, which was my mom and, and she had gotten reproved uh, around that time. So at that time I really believed that I was gonna be stuck on the earth by myself.
0: Oh, and no. I was mad.
1: Yeah, so like my dad, he was my he was my best friend growing up. And so I um that really took a hit to like my depression and my anxiety for a while, and I just kept trying to, like, go out in service, and kept trying to go to Bethel, and, like, kept trying to just get through it, you know. So, I was, I basically, I, I went to the elders to apply to go to Bethel, and at the time, my parents were, basically, they were, they weren't, they weren't gonna be together anymore, um, and they actually did my they treated my, my, at the same time as my parents splitting. So basically they talked to me about Bethel at the same time as my parents were splitting. Like it was not separate meetings like it's supposed to be or anything. So, um, basically they're like, we think you're trying to run away from home. We think you're trying to run away from your house situation. And, but I was 17. I already graduated from college, you know? Um, And, the the CEO was the one who was telling me, he's like, oh yeah, you should go up there. And you know, you don't have to be 19 to apply. You can be, you know, 17 special circumstances. You can totally do it. And, um, anyways, so because of that, um, I was told to leave the congregation and go to a different congregation, um, and apply again. But by that time I had already told myself, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna apply to Good Bethel anymore. I'm just gonna, Like, live my life. Um, there was somebody that I was interested in, and, um, I ended up getting with, with him. And, um, I just started talking to him. I was, like, I was, like, 17, um, and I ended up getting married when I was 19. Um, also keep in mind, I was baptized at 10, so that plays a lot, that plays a huge role in, um, my decisions later on in life. I I married uh, my husband when I was nineteen years old, um, right out of my my mom's house, at the time, and at that time I was working like three two three jobs just to like provide for myself because like my my dad was living somewhere else and I couldn't stay with him. The elders told me I wasn't allowed to stay with him because he was staying with another brother, so they were like that's inappropriate. Oh awesome. <laughs> yeah. Mm. so yeah, I kind of was was paying for myself to I was like jumping around to all my friends' houses um and at that time as that, that must
0: older, have put an incredible mm-hmm. strain on you
1: yeah, yes yeah. so my my dad he actually um my parents they they kind of just let me do whatever from like age fifteen to nineteen. So they were just like, You can just hang out with whoever you want to, we trust you and da 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 da. Um, so the people's houses that I was staying at, um like I remember one summer, like eleven of my friends got disfellowshipped all at the same time. Wow. And so I was like Eleven hanging out with these Yeah, like eleven all at the same time. Wow from different halls. Yeah. They were just like, You name these people, now you can't <laughs> and I had to accept that. Um, so even when I got married, this is about the time when I started waking up. Um, I still was trying to get, like, my husband to, like, go to Bethel with me. Like, I still thought that was, like, the ultimate goal, um, even though I didn't try to go by myself anymore. Um, there was a lot of pressure on me, um, even when I was dating him, like, don't, um, can't be alone you know you know that um but you can't like our only alone time was like when we would walk to the trash can to throw out the garbage
0: oh wow
1: <laughs> yeah so it's like uh yeah i started waking up um when that talk came out about brothers if you're not 25 and a ministerial servant then you're probably not a good brother and i thought to myself that makes absolutely no sense because this this man has has treated me the best out of everyone I've ever known. He's a very balanced, very good person. I don't believe that. And I was willing to question things after that. And I remember I would I would go out in like early morning and I was one of those people I just like gave my all to um cuz some stuff happened in college actually. Um i uh, so the the trade that I ended up going for um as I was saying before is a it was a male dominated feel uh and that that they didn't take too nicely to me being there um I had a lot of threats a lot of like you know and then they found out that I was a witness and so they kind of took that as an opportunity to just like bully me. Yeah, so there was there was a lot of that and so I I ended up having like a lot of um like nervous system issues, like my body would just shake, it would have tremors. And at that time I was only I was only 17. And I I really wanted to quit, you know, because even in high school I took the same trade and I really wanted to quit and I wanted to do something else. Um but my parents thought that it was absolute uh, paramount, maybe is the word, but they thought it was very important that I kept going. And so I kept going, I kept going, and I ended up having to transfer out of my original school and go into another school because it got so bad um, and finish off my degree there. And because I could only go for um, like a year, um, by the elders and stuff, they suggested I don't go any. any more than that, and I wanted to go for, like, art and stuff like that, but I've always been told by elders, always been told by majority witnesses, like, don't go into art because that's too much self-expression, that's too much self, you know, it's too much, um, and so, like, as I got older, uh, I would take jobs that were based around the field that I went into, and they were, like, there was nothing that i could do that wasn't going to be like 60 hours a week or it wasn't going to be like overtime and it was just very hard working keep going grunt work kind of and so i ended up working with um some artists uh around the area that i was in and uh even then, like i I had so many really good opportunities, and I just threw them away because I thought Jehovah didn't want me to do that and Now that I look back at it uh I ended up it felt like I was pushing myself so far behind um artistically or or just in general,
0: something that's coming across really strongly in in you relaying your experiences is how busy you you've been <laughs> in a, in a relatively short space of time as well it just sounds like your schedule was just so hectic yeah
1: yeah
0: how like, how how did that impact on your your physical and emotional health
1: um so i i was very 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 malnourished i'll just put that way like i just constantly was sick all the time. My stomach hurt all the time. Like digestion. I had reflux when I was like 14. Like it just, I had ulcers when I was 14 in my stomach. It was, it was insane. Like I just was go, 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 go all the time. Um, and it it felt like, it felt like I was on drugs, (laughs) honestly. And, um, I remember telling people, Like whenever I would, I would spend the night at people's houses and I remember crying because I wanted to go home because I didn't, I didn't understand what it was like to have friends. And I, I didn't understand it was okay if someone like leaned up against you and like was watching a movie with you. Like I just was so afraid of getting close to people in general. Um, and it's almost like you always have to watch your back. So I developed like a little paranoia. Growing up. And, um, I experienced a lot of depression and a lot of panic attacks, not anxiety attacks. Like, I would have anxiety just on a regular 24-7, but I would have panic attacks on a daily, like, agonizing, crying, pain. Um, and I remember telling my dad about that and, and I remember my parents seeing that and they were just like, What is wrong with you? <laughs> but they wouldn't they wouldn't take me to a therapist. They would take me to the doctors and the doctors just would try to give me like, you know, different pills and whatnot. Um, but that didn't ever solve the, the issue. Um, I remember in middle school there were a couple of cases where I bolted out the classroom and I just started crying. And my teacher would be like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I just, I just need to, I just got a lot of pressure on me. You know, like, I just need to sit. And uh, they sent me to the guidance counselor all the time. <laughs> that lady, she had the, she had this little pillow in her, um, in her office and it said, Stressed spelled spell backwards is desserts. <laughs> I, I remember just looking forward to seeing that pillow, but they, yeah. You know, I remember telling her, you can't tell my parents, because if you tell my parents, you know, I remember t- saying, like, you can't tell them because, like, as a witness, it'll look really bad on us. It'll look really bad. Um, you know, so she never told them, actually. And, um, they they would take me to get evaluated psychologically, but they would never take me to like long term therapist. The way that I um first started waking up, the like the very first thing that happened is I remember I was in service and I was still trucking it, like I was still going and going and going. Even though I had like really bad panic attacks, I would walk into the store and I'd just start crying. I would go to the meetings and I would hear a song come on and I would start remembering like my childhood for some reason, uh, like sitting in the in the meetings um, by my parents, sitting in the middle of them. And I remember feeling like I I can't do this, but I have to keep up uh, appearances and everything. And I remember going to a convention and I was probably 19, 20. 1920, so this is after I got married. Um, my parents, they had like officially divorced and everything. And I was sitting in between them and the whole convention. If you've been to one, you know how long those things are. I cried the whole time. From the beginning of the day to the end song. Through every song, through. I didn't even go to the bathroom because I felt like that was inappropriate to like leave. The spiritual food that Jehovah's trying to give me, you know. And so I, I moved out of state again. Um, I moved back to where I originally was from uh, as a kid, um, because I felt like it was more diverse there. I felt like it was more like, it was just away from everything. And I told myself, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this again before I take a break. I'm gonna try... Uh, this again and the elders at the hall the very first meeting I went to they asked me um, if if I uh, basically if like if I was experiencing a, a certain type of problem that like was handled a long time ago I never like got this fellowship or anything for it um, but it was like an issue and I was like no um, and I didn't realize that they had kept records
0: on people. So I'm not and... I'm not sure I understand. So wh- were they asking you if you were troubled by a sin that you hadn't confessed yet? Is that what they were trying to get at?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they were trying to like bring up old stuff from the past. And cuz I guess it was like a, a note on there. And um that's when I like just started not trusting them anymore.
0: And this was and, like... like this was like your first meeting at the con- congregation.
1: Yeah, yeah. This was, like, my first meeting where, like, my cards were officially moved over, and they asked me something that had happened way in the past. Like, had, I don't even know why that was part of, um, like, you know, like, smoking or something like that. Um, but I remember feeling highly anxious after that. I was like, I do not trust these
0: people anymore. I'm trying to think, why would you even do that? It's like, Uh, they were looking for a reason to to discipline you or something i mean what 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 kind of a welcome is that
1: i think it was because i was trying to apply for auxiliary pioneering because i didn't understand anything i i didn't understand that you could just be a regular publisher i just didn't i didn't get that um because you know stagnation means you're you're still working for satan you know in a way I remember feeling like just because I made that promise I could never I could never you know do anything else I could never have a different opinion all because I I made that promise you know and if I broke that promise then it would be a lie and then who's the father lied Satan the devil and then I was like oh then I'm on Satan's side if I you know go with all that it's just it's a lot you know uh, to think about as a kid another thing is Outside of not associating with worldly people, um, people who are not witnesses, I wasn't allowed to be around my family either. I didn't get to know my aunts, or my uncles, my cousins. I knew a little bit about them. Um, But I wasn't allowed to get too close to them um, because they could be a bad influence on me. Um, It was very hard um, because when I started waking up, almost all my family members, they were like, we tried to get to know you, we tried, we tried. Um, and I had to explain to each and every one of them that I'm I'm no longer one of that, I don't believe that anymore, I don't do that anymore. Um, and I had to explain to them, like, the process every time, just for, like, because they were so on edge, every single one of them, on getting to know me. And um, I remember my, my grandfather actually... One of the biggest things that woke me up, uh, was my grandpa, and I hate to admit it, but, like, he was, uh, he he got cancer, and he was dying, and it was around the same time that I was starting to, like, wake up, and I told him, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I remember him taking me aside for the first time ever and just talking with me. He's just like, I'm so proud of you, and, like, you'll be okay, and I felt like then he died. Um...
0: Oh no! I'm so sorry to hear that.
1: It's it's all good. It's all good, Um, because you know I know he'd be proud. I never really got the chance to know him. I never really got the chance to even emotionally connect with him. And the same thing with the rest of my family. I had another family member who died, and I I didn't feel anything because I didn't know her. But I still went into the church to go to their to their you know funeral. But the rest of my family didn't go. I was the only one who did. And my family was like... Well, not my dad, but it was like my mom's side. And she's like, you're not going to do that. And I was like, yes, yes I am. (laughs) I'm going to do it. Because it's out of respect. It doesn't mean I have to be in the, the religion or anything. And it was really complicated because she, at one time, was a witness herself. But she had gotten older and she basically um, she had like dementia I think I can't remember and so she um, other people had to take care of her so they were taking her church so like the witnesses were like we're not gonna have anything to do with this and you're not and she's not witness anymore so her funeral can't be at the hall basically um, yeah so I, I didn't know her I didn't know a lot of people and so I just started realizing how disconnected I was from everybody. And, um, you know, that started scaring me because I was like, man, I am just, I'm truly alone here. <laughs> um, the biggest thing is I was studying with a lady who... It was, like, business territory, and I would always bring her literature and stuff. And I remember at the hall, or, or it was an annual meeting or something, it's like, ask your people if they are actually interested if they want to go to the hall. Like, just be upfront with them. And so I was upfront. I was like, hey, are you actually ever going to come to the meeting or anything? She's like, no. I was like, are you actually interested in what I have to say? She's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, then why don't you ever, like, come to the meeting? Or, like, why don't you ever... I just really didn't understand And she's like, even if I don't agree with you, it doesn't mean I can't listen to your viewpoint. And that right there was the one thing that made me like, that's so true. (laughs) It was very, it was so simple. And um, so a couple, like a year after that, I moved back to my hometown. And it was just, it was a lot of little things, but I was, I was going out in service and I really didn't want to do it. I knew my body, because my, my, through the years my body would, would go through this thing where it would have... Um, I don't know if it's like a nervous breakdown, but it was like a breakdown where it just stopped moving. I just completely stopped functioning and my body would take over. Um, so I was out in service uh, with a friend of mine and... We both got in the car and both of us were, the word was disassociated, by the way. We both just were disassociated completely in our minds from our body. And I remember them saying, hey, it's your turn to go to the door. I did not want to go to the door. I did not care about going to the door. And I've got to the point where I physically could not open the door. Like I was trying. I even tried to force my hand to open the door and I couldn't do it as, and i you know, we were very close to my house, so I just said, you know, can you just drop me off? I remember the sister being irritated that she had to drop me off because I was wasting her gas. Wow.
0: I remember... How loving.
1: Yes, how loving. And it was, like, the week before that, I went to a wedding. At this point, I, I used to have very long hair. I cut my hair off. And I cut it, like, really, really short. Um, and I went to a wedding right after i got out of work and there was a sister there that i hadn't seen in years like since childhood and who's supposed to be like my spiritual spiritual grandmother, spiritual mother. Had a lot of people who took on that role to me, the spiritual mothers, who as soon as i talked about anything emotional would be like, "Oh, you just need to take some pills and pine." And that was all the advice that i had ever received. I had a, um, remember I told you about the smoking incident? Um, I basically, I was smoking because I was super stressed <laughs> as as a kid. And, um, I reached out to, to a spiritual mother. She turned me in, actually. Um, it wasn't enough to like get reproved or anything, but it, it basically was like, yeah, can't do this and she turned me into her husband who was supposed to be like my spiritual father and at the time i was having like issues with my own parentals my own parents and um and so yeah the, the, there is just a lot of enabling people who enable that type of um behavior and so after that that after that service day i just I was like, I'm not going to take this anymore. Like, I have to do what I have to do. I don't care how it looks. And I remember just pushing myself so hard. And like I was saying, um, Jesus, if it all came down to, to Jesus and Jehovah, they can never say I didn't try. They can never say I didn't reach out. They can never say I didn't, that I wasn't desperate, you know? And so, yeah, I, um. I just took a little break and it felt really good. Um I stopped going to meetings and I just you know because every meeting I go to I just cry. And you know my um uh, I just couldn't handle doing that anymore. I tried leaving quietly. I tried being you know I tried just saying, "Oh, I just can't do it cuz I have anxiety." But then after a while people were like okay we don't believe you anymore you know or you're just not spiritual enough or I was like you have no idea like how much effort I've put in this you know and um so then it was getting to the point where I was constantly getting checked on all the time people would be like well are you praying are you doing this are you doing this are you doing that and I was like no I'm just trying to take a break you know and so, orig- my original reasons were just to be inactive. Um, but I got bullied and pushed around. Um, and I wasn't giving, like, like time to actually... I remember even going to the elders. I remember talking to the CEO Because I kept trying to do these one last chances. One last, one last thing. Maybe this will convince me to go back. And, um... There was, uh, the CO had come into town, and I told him, Still, this was like seven years after I tried to, to go to Bethel, I asked him, I said, can someone who is, I mean, this may be a trigger warning, but, um, can somebody who is depressed and suicidal still go to Bethel? And this was a Saturday, so, like, I asked him usually they have plans to, like, you know, go out with other people. No, like, that was the first time somebody ever took an interest in me and, like, was like, let's go talk in, like, the back room with, like, an elder or whatever. And um, he's like, you you should, I don't think he said you should talk to someone, but he said there is medication you should take. But it was, like, it was definitely more of a, he didn't want to say it, but, like, you should talk to somebody about that. And, um, he was telling, like, the elder to check on me and everything regularly. The elder never never came to talk to me, never made any effort, um, and if anything, because I, I, I was telling the elder about how I had, like, an emotional support animal and everything. He's like, that's not real, and da 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 Like, somebody who's not equipped to talk to someone about mental health was trying to tell me what to... <laughs> somebody who knew nothing about me, nothing about my life, nothing where I came from. Um, who really just didn't care. Um except for theocratically and spiritually what I was doing. Basically, I I started talking to a therapist. I only took, I only did one therapist visit and they were like just stop going to all. And I was like, "You you don't get it. <laughs> you can't just stop going." And it, you know, she just kept talking about herself, talking about herself, talking about She's like, yeah, I knew some witnesses. They were in a cult. And da-da-da-da. By the way, I don't like calling it a cult. I call it a high control group because calling it a cult, you know, it kind of takes away from the people who it really is helpful for. You know, like I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and deny that I got everything bad from it because that's not true. I did have a lot of good things from it. I, I became a very good public speaker because of it. I do not get nervous in front of people at all. I do not get nervous in front of crowds um, i actually i I kind of like being in the spotlight a little bit. Um, I like being a leader in that way um but but anyways um so i I stopped talking to her um and I tried figuring out things on my own and um that that led me to, like, finally taking the leap of like going to Google, <laughs> and and looking up like, are witnesses sad or something like that, and instead of going to JW dot org where it suggested up there, I went to something else. I went to like JW Facts or something, and um, I remember. Also around this time, I was cutting off certain friends because they were leaving um, or they were struggling and I didn't want to talk to them. Basically, what what goes around comes around with that. Um, people who go through their own thing, I do not judge them or I did not judge them, um, but I did in a way. I did judge them. And what happened to them happened to me. Um, I basically said... Well, I can't talk to you anymore. You're not doing very well. I'm going to have to talk to the elders. I, um... I did, um... My friend was, um... Going through a very hard time of of trying to come out. But she was doing really slowly. And I definitely sped that process up. And, um... It ended up getting her in big trouble. And later on, I... I totally forgot that I even did that. And, um... I had a lot of really, cl- like, I did have maybe one or two really close friends through the years. But as soon as, theocratically, like, they didn't want to do anything, I was like, I can't be around you. And a lot of those friends, they had emotional things that they were going through. Um, and, you know, we get along today, but it definitely put a um, a damper on our relationships back then and we needed each other they needed me and I wasn't there for them and I I think that's when I started speaking out and telling people this isn't right Um, because I started experiencing those things and and on no human level should anybody ever deny someone attention that they know that someone else needs Um, and so it just started bothering me so like yeah that's just kind of that's kind of how the ball started rolling. Mm.
0: So when you started doing your research, what did you find out?
1: Um, <laughs> I um, definitely, I looked from our own literature at first and I was like, whoa, this isn't, this isn't right. Um, so I I did hear a little bit about crisis of conscience. I haven't read the whole thing, but I, I have the book. Um, I looked in there, I looked at Lloyd Evans stuff because again, I was looking for somebody who was level-headed and very balanced in how they did things because I was looking at different videos and, um, I noticed that there were some people who were just like really bitter and really angry. So that kind of like scared me away a little bit. Um, but a lot of Lloyd Evans videos and, and learning what p moment and learning what fader meant and learning that there was all these different there was like a whole other community out here and people like me <laughs> and i was like whoa i kind of want to talk to some of y'all um but yeah and and also like some of my friends were already out but i would you know i started asking them questions i was like hey how do you how do you how are you able to cope with this so you're you're just fine with being out here and people knowing that you're not going to the movies. they're like yeah i'm fine well, I'm cool with it and i was like i want to be like that just so nonchalant and just cool with people just living my life and um i i just started living my life how i wanted to and so yeah um i just stopped letting people control me
0: so you you recently disassociated Um, you you sent a letter in to the elders saying that you no longer wanted to be a Jehovah's Witness, what led up to that?
1: For about three years now I've been wanting to do that, just something inside me was like, I really just, it's not, I understand that I could just fade, and that I could just be inactive and that I could just let them question, but I feel like it was, it was, because it was such such a permanent thing in my life, I felt like it defined me since I was born. Like, I remember just telling people, I was born as one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And, you know, um, there's obviously some other complications. Like, I, like I had family members and um, friends being like, you can't say that, you're a witness. Like, just turn in your letter. And I didn't want to do it because they were telling me to do it. But at the same time, I wanted to do it for me and I was getting very harassing, um, calls and texts. Like, I would have people calling me in the middle of the night, like, me just minding my own business. People I hadn't talked to, like, five, six years calling me, being like, you know better. You know but You should not be doing this. You are on, you know, you can choose Jehovah's side or you can choose Satan's side, this kind of stuff. And, um, I had family members call me up and say,, um, "Oh, I, I basically just threatened to take me to the elders all the time. I was tired of being threatened all the time, and I was like, "You know, I'm just, I'm just going to turn it in myself, and if anybody wants to come at me, I'll just be like, "You're not supposed to be talking to me in the first place, you know?" or I, I just wanted to do it for me. It was more like a symbolical thing. I know I didn't have to, but I mean, people were already shunning me and being mean anyway so I figured why not
0: Mm. so um I guess you felt like you had nothing left to lose so
1: yeah yeah pretty much I had nothing left to lose so why not I was
0: obviously afraid
1: for my marriage but um but um you know that that's its own complications you know how marriage works it's it can get complicated sometimes and I was willing. To, I was willing to take that risk, but you know, I was. I was very lucky that um, he didn't uh, get really mad at me. And he's seen my whole process too. He's seen me in all the things I've went through. And I. I love him very much, and he loves me very much. I'm seeing somebody now, like a therapist now. So, you know, they've they've had to. Um, basically deprogram a lot of stuff that i believed about myself it's not that they tell you to stop going to meetings it's that they're helping you realize that you're a human being and like that you're allowed to feel and like you're allowed to do things that make you feel good it's not that they make you stop going to meetings you know and that's something that often um i heard growing up is that that therapist um therapists just tell you stop going to meetings which one of them did but I mean it was for good (laughs) reasons
0: yeah I mean personally I'd advise anyone leaving the witnesses to to seek therapy because there's 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 so much damage you know mentally and emotionally that that comes with being a witness even if you don't realize it yourself absolutely you know and it's unpacking all of that isn't something that is very easy to accomplish on your own and now it's... if if it's if it's possible at all to accomplish on your own yeah
1: you it's very overwhelming um especially if you don't have like a community on 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 the outside like if you if all you've ever known is being a witness um it's very hard to make friends um it's very hard to see other people as um Well, the way I would describe it is, um, I used to see everybody as time, like, like, that's my return visit, or like, that's my study here, that's my um, baptised publisher, and I write more about that in my book, I get into more detail.
0: It's it's interesting you should say that, because, you know, since leaving the organisation myself, I've noticed that there's a distinct lack of empathy among Jehovah's Witnesses for, for people in general. But yes. as a witness, you you don't see that. You think that em- witnesses are full of love and empathy for their, you know, fellow human beings, but that is just so not the case. It's so not the case because witnesses are just constantly putting other people's problems and difficulties and issues in the world. They just put it to the back of their mind and think, well, Jehovah's going to sort all of that out so I don't have to think about it. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's completely incompatible with with being empathetic.
1: Yeah, that's why, um, like as as a witness, like a lot of times we don't, or not we, but a lot of times, you don't get into politics, you don't get into social rights, you don't get into all that because you're like the one the one stop answer for all that is Jehovah. When you leave, it's very easy to go to something that is familiar very easy to go to another community that could be just as messed up in the same ways because that's what feels good that's what f- feels familiar to you and that's why I like getting a therapist and talking to someone talking to someone about it as you're going through it if you have the time and means and um situation where you can do that if you can't um it's it's on you What what's what's you know i'm not here to say what anybody should do or anything but yeah. yeah
0: so after having disassociated how do you feel now
1: i feel very good i feel like i feel like you know i walked outside and i was like man i feel like i just got out of prison this is what it feels like <laughs> it feels so good um and initially the the, the call um the because te- uh you know i had to call um, it was very scary because I was like, I'm doing, uh, this is official now. And, um, it's, it was really scary. And they called me back and they're like, are you sure you don't want to just like talk? And I was like, I'm sure I, I know what I want to do. And I made the decision and, um, and I, I told, um, like my parents, the, the day after and uh, it was almost like they were relieved too because they were like they finally have an answer <laughs> um but at the, at the same time it, it's like I don't have to hold that in the back of my mind anymore it's like something that I took responsibility for and I was proud of it because I made that decision on my own um even with the back a lot of backlash
0: What is your relationship with your parents like now? Are they still talking with you? Are they shunning you?
1: Um, My dad does talk to me. My mom, um, it's very limited. Uh, She will talk to me, but, you know, she's just doing what she thinks she has to do. Um, So my only form of family now is kind of like my, um, like my husband and all of the relatives that I don't really know and it's very hard because they want me to come to like Christmas parties and stuff like that and I'm like I'm sorry but that's like extremely triggering for me <laughs> I can't do that um and I know to y'all it's just a party but to me it's something that I'm supposed to be destroyed for and you know so I you know like my birthday I tried celebrating it for the first time last year but I just cried the whole time (laughs) so I was like no I'm not gonna count that one plus I was like in hiding when I did it but this this year um this like next month will be my my official birthday so
0: I I know what that feels like I cried on both of my birthdays I've celebrated two so far (laughs) and I I've spent much of of both of them crying not 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 out of guilt not necessarily out of guilt but out of um feeling unworthy of such attention
1: yeah 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 definitely the unworthiness um is very hard to sometimes i don't know i I feel like sometimes you just have to set a timer and like just let yourself cry out whatever you got to because i mean that's a lot that that's a lot to um those are a lot of belief systems that you had to break about yourself it's very hard um Especially when when you're told all your life it's a bad thing.
0: Well, you you've been been through an awful lot, and you know you do seem to be coping with it very well. You know, despite everything that's happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to be understood. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, the the more XJWs that you speak to, or the more um, videos you watch or experiences like this, you realise that we all have such there are so many commonalities in all of our stories, mm-hmm. you know, and it's very, it's very validating. It, it's it's extremely validating. I mean, I, I found that when I was waking up myself, you know, I'd I'd often be screaming at the TV as I'm watching these videos, and you're just like, oh my goodness, I thought it was just me who felt that way, or I thought it was just me who experienced that, you know. Yes. I had there so was... many of those moments.
1: I remember seeing certain um i remember seeing this movie I think it was like called dis this is dis so dis, so dis, disfellowshipped or apostasy I can't remember it's on Amazon prime though, and I saw it, and I was like, "Oh my god, I showed it to my grandma, and I was like, grandma, this is what I went through like this is the very exact thing and she's like, "Oh, my poor baby you know like I had my um I even had like my therapist watch it and they're like, "Oh, I get it now. I see it." Um because a lot of a lot of therapists and stuff like they don't know how to deal with that and you have to be very specific in saying I came from a high control group. And because a lot of times they'll tell you like, "Oh, you just just need to stop." No. <laughs> you can't tell someone to do that because you can literally re-traumatize them. Um and that you you can't just take like the foundation of what they've built and remove it um because especially if they don't know how to rebuild their home or they don't know how to rebuild what they had you know it's it's very complex um but over time you'll eventually learn the terminology you'll, you'll learn new words and and you'll new uh, that you'll learn new ways to cope and deal with things and eventually you won't even be coping anymore eventually you'll be thriving you know so it's it's not all just survival there is a paradise here on earth already you we, we it's possible to create that for yourself it's possible to live a life that makes you happy um you don't have to wait for anything
0: absolutely um, that that's something sorry. that um that's something that my girlfriend is always telling me she says um you know you don't have to defer everything for a paradise that's that, you know, now is never going to come. You can, you can make that paradise now. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. as, as a witness, you, it's, it's almost like you're constantly in survival mode. Absolutely. You know, you're constantly in survival mode. You're constantly thinking, how do I get through the next day, the next week, the next month so that I can get to this far off place and then I can start living absolutely you know and um it's it's, there's no way that that is healthy there's absolutely no way that it's healthy to be in that mode all the time
1: yeah i think it was from one of lloyd evans videos that i saw is he was talking about the thing that keeps people in it the most is fear obligation and guilt it's like fog and that never left my mind and now when i see You know, when when people would try to get me to come back, it was just fear. Lots of fear. And, like, oh, you got baptized when you were 10. Obligation. And then, shame on you. You knew better. Guilt. It's like... And so you have to find a new community of friends that are, like, good for you for leaving. Good for you. And, like, and that's what I did is, like, when I turned in my dissociation letters, I, I, I knew I couldn't call... The people that I really wanted to talk to, I... I had to call, like, my grandma, who wasn't on this. I called her. And I don't think she really understands how much of an impact that made on my life, how safe that made me feel. Um... Because that's the only, um... That's the only grandparent that I have that... that that'll talk to me now. Um... Yeah, that's, that's
0: my story. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing it with us.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. We really do
0: appreciate that.
1: It was scary, but we did it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I can, I can imagine it must be, it must be scary. It must be scary, especially since you've just recently disassociated as well.
1: Absolutely. And thank you for what you do with your, with your videos.
0: And that's it for another interview. Thank you so much for watching. If you haven't already done so, please like and subscribe to the channel. Please proceed to the Jexit in an orderly fashion and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for watching to the very end of the video. If you haven't already done so, please like, leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. If you like my work and want to help me continue doing it, please support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Jexit underscore 2020. And with that, I'd like to sincerely thank these very special Patrons who make these videos possible.